Welcome back to Random Badassery, the podcast dedicated to creativity. All you creative beasts and monsters and amazing people in the world, we're happy that you're here with us. My name is Chad Hall, and with me as always, my partner in crime, Lam Wen. Hello, everybody. Here we are again. I, You know, Wednesdays are my favorite day of the week. I'm not going to lie. I love doing this, and... Uh, <laughs> Every time we get to do it is it's like an affirmation of everything in my life. So I'm glad you guys are here with us. Lam, how are you, my friend? I'm actually doing pretty good, all things considered. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you on the Wednesdays thing, especially with what's been going on the last uh, week or so. Um, I've, I've been pretty much counting the seconds to get to this Wednesday. And despite the maelstrom of craziness that is that is surrounding the rest of my day, at least for this amount of time when we get to talk about the creative stuff i i get a break from the 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 ails and pains of the world and i get to join you and and all the rest of our listeners in talking about something that makes me me happy happier and hopefully more creative as well and i i'm particularly fond of these tips and techniques uh episode not so much in in that i would say that i like them any more than our other episodes actually you and i talked our last episode our Shell Straight episode is both our favorite episode that we've done so far. But the reason I love these tools and techniques episode is because, in a way, it's like hearkening back to, I guess I used the word hearkening, hearkening back to the original format of this show before we went creativity focused. Um, it's our time to nerd out and talk about apps and stuff like that, though we don't always do that. But it tends to be... I would say 80% of the time we talk about apps. So it's it's nice to be able to dip into that for a little bit because, I don't know, we all, we started this whole thing wanting to talk about those things. So still having a spot for that in our uh, in our lives and in this endeavor is, is pretty cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I definitely feel like... Um... You and I, considering the, the, the state of, I mean, obviously our, our respective lives on a daily basis are pretty different, but I feel like we both are heading towards the same goal from two entirely different perspectives because of how our lives look. So I think that whether, whether you're, you've got a full-time job with a crazy commute like mine, um, or you have a billion different tiny contracts that you have to manage somehow into to a cohesive uh, work schedule, um, you know, two very, very different um, environments, but two very similar goals, you know, being able to do our respective jobs and live our respective lives while still being as creative as we can be. Um, so I definitely feel like, uh, you know, these tools and techniques episodes are really useful um, from two two very different spectrums um, of the equation. And because of that, um, I think, you know, there are very different people who have gravitated towards these episodes. Like I've had certain friends of mine with full-time jobs who have said, yeah, you know, some of the stuff that that I've shared has been pretty useful. Um, and by that same token, you know, plenty of our creative friends, including um, our first ever interview, um, said that he found some some useful stuff from, from your side of the world, too, because his situation is similar to yours. Um, so, yeah, I feel like these are these are both very fun as well as very, very nerdily useful. Yeah, whether actively creative or not, we're all swimming in some sort of chaos. Right. And these tools and techniques episode is, uh, you know, think of it as uh, we're suggesting little floaties for your arms and ways to do the backstroke. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it feels. A rudder in the storm, my friend, a rudder in the storm. I'm almost thinking like this is the, these episodes are almost taking on like a um a form in the sense that uh, they move in uh, to certain areas consistently. Uh, we've talked a lot about um, 
anxiety and and meditation and stuff in these episodes and it's feeling like this beginning part of the show tends to focus on um these health things and uh i i love that because i I feel like that's just as valuable as me telling you guys to download an app for me i just wanted to give you guys a quick update on the my cbd usage uh i'm not sure if i've linked the specific cbd oil that i use um it's by a company called bluebird botanicals and of course you have to check and make sure that uh, uh hemp oil is legal in your state but uh and that's all up to you guys you're you're grown people you can do research uh, i will put the link for the cbd oil in the show notes i almost forgot the words there <laughs> <laughs> And uh, just the quick update is I've I've noticed that it is making an effect on um, having an effect on my anxiety in the sense that it's not a cure. Um, there's actually there's a a book, a podcast, and a no, just a book and a podcast. Oh, and an app by the name of Ten Percent Happier, which is about meditation. It's by this guy named Dan Harris, and he talks about how meditation doesn't cure everything; it just makes you ten percent happier. And I would say that CBD oil is it's not going to cure your anxiety or anything like that, at least as far as I've noticed, but it's going to give you that 10% edge. And when uh, the difference between falling into anxiety and uh, being able to move past it and, and live a happier life and day uh, is a matter of small percentages, that 10% is pretty valuable. I know you ordered some lamb. Have you tried it yet? Um, I have not, but, um, you know, just considering how crazy the last couple of weeks have been, I haven't really, because I, I really want to uh, take, you know, take my time and do the research and figure out what the best dosage, um, and, and, um, and, and duration is for, for taking CBD. Um, but I have had a couple of, you know, given the amount of family that I have in town at the moment, I've had a couple of, of people, um, um, friends and, and relatives included who have started to use CBD, um, one of which actually noticed a remarkable effect on her allergies. Um, but yeah, it's very similar to what you just described. It didn't solve them overnight. It didn't completely remove them. But she found that she was getting just a little less nasal decongestion and, 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 and inflammation um, every single day she was taking CBD. And now two and a half months deep into um, the 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 grand CBD experiment for her, like she noticed that her allergies are almost imperceptibly there. Like she notices them slightly, like her, her eyes get a little bit itchy. Um, her nose gets a, a, a little stuffed up for, for a quarter of the time that it used to. But she said that, you know, the, the effect of it was so gradual that she didn't realize that her allergies were just slowly going away. First of all, disclaimers for everyone listening to this, me- I mean, message to this episode. Uh, do your own research. Look in, look into what the, the, there's a lot of claims as to what uh, CBD oil is good for. There's a lot of research that may be or may not be valuable. Do your own research. Check it out. Also, with that being said, what seems to be a commonality is, as like you mentioned right there, is it's good for inflammations and it's good for neurological effects. Supposedly, um, I've experienced some of the neurological effects myself. I haven't experienced any of the uh, inflammation myself, but I have been giving CBD treats to my cat, which I'll also put a link for you guys. They're cat dog treats, and she has a polyp, and it, it basically just causes consistent runny nose for her for like a year. 
And I've noticed since I've been giving her the treats for like a week and a half that that's gone down considerably. I'm hoping that continues. Also, as far as dosage, and another thing to consider, guys, is um, anytime you ingest something into your body, there's chance of allergies, things like that. You want to talk to a medical professional before you do things like this. And the effects are going to be different for everybody. We all have different uh, physiological reactions to substances. So what may help somebody with anxiety or allergies may not work for somebody else. But I am not a doctor. I don't play one on television, and I don't play one on the <laughs> podcast. But I do sometimes play one in fantasies. <laughs> Anyways, uh, the other thing that I want to say is as far as dosage, you did mention dosage. I've, I've, I've been reading a lot about dosage. One thing that I've, that I've read, and once again, as not being a doctor, this is not 100% fact. This is just what I have come across. But I've seen that there is no toxicity level to CBD oil. Mm-hmm. And what, what that means is uh, you don't have to worry that you're going to overdose on it. So it's, it, you don't have to worry about it so much as you would like with aspirin. You know, if you take uh, seven aspirin as opposed to one, you could have an adverse reaction in your liver. As such, from what I've read, some people say that uh, CBD oil, like marijuana, have a an approximate half-life of about four hours. And half-life is... It's how much of it's ha- when half of something is gone from your system, and uh, basically that's the, the breaking point where we decide that something is effectivity of something is fading off. The half life's about four hours, so some people suggest that you should take it three times a day. I haven't been doing that. I've been doing it twice a day. I do zero point five milliliters, which is approximately fifteen drops. Of course, all of these dosage will matter on what CBD oil you get and the strength of it. I don't want to go into too much details, but I wanted to give you guys just a little bit of detail, at least for a starting point. So that's that's been working pretty well for me. And I would suggest looking into it and finding out more about it. And please, if you find some really good, solid research from uh, a reputable source, please share it with us because I, I love to learn about this stuff more. And I'm actually having trouble finding a lot of sources that I find completely neutral and reputable. Yeah, it's tough because the, the, uh, lately I've gotten a lot of testimonials, um, but we all know how reliable uh, one-to-one inter- information can <laughs> can be from individuals. So, um, yeah, I, I feel like I've, I've kind of, in the same boat as you, like I've had a lot of difficulty tracking down some some reasonable research that, that would give me some confidence in going into to, you know, diving in full force uh, with CBD. Because, you know, in, in all of the things that I've read and heard so far, um, the the effects and the benefits almost seem too good to be true. Um, and so because of that, like, I'm always weary of such things. Um, that doesn't mean that it doesn't work, nor does it mean that it doesn't have a chance of doing all of the things that it says that it does. Um, I just can't find enough reliable sources that give me confidence in being able to do that without without at least a little more research. One of the reasons that when you're talking about stuff like this, that finding independent neutral sources is important is because there are certain parameters that a a study, especially about um, anything scientific, there are certain parameters that should be met. There should be uh, reasonable controls put into the situation, and a control is something that you, you balance the research or the information that you get against. You know, like I put plant food in this plant and it grows really fast. I have a plant next to it that I didn't put plant food in. 
if that plant grows just as fast, then I can say, well, it wasn't the plant food. It's just a way of, of measuring your results to make sure that they're as focused on the actual thing you're studying as they can be. And a lot of these things that you come across on the internet are, like Lamb said, a lot of are testimonials, and a lot of them are research that's not done with the purest scientific methods. And because of that, you have to question the results. So when, when something sounds too good to be true, Lamb's right, it probably is. But that's why I would love for you guys to find some of this research if you if you run across it, because uh, the, a lot of the stuff I've seen is not valid scientifically. Uh, there are a few research studies on that I've run across on marijuana in general. There's some stuff on the Mayo Clinic's website and so forth. But as far as what is agreed upon for this stuff to do for you, I can't say. It's worth trying if you're in a desperate place. Um, and worse comes to worse, if all you get from it is a placebo effect, that's still an effect. So it might be worth it just for that. Yeah, I mean, never underestimate the 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 power of psychosomatics. I mean, the the older I get, the the more I think that um, a lot of our ailments. I would I, I I'm not going to put a number on it because obviously I'm not any kind of medical professional. But I feel like um, the psychosomatic effect of of our brains on our bodies is so pronounced um, and so so intense. I feel like a lot of my own issues, for example, are psychosomatic. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. If you break your leg, you're breaking your leg, and there's no amount of willpower in the world that will fix your leg without medical attention. But um, for a lot of the other ailments, like, for example, my anxiety or, or my digestive issues as of late, uh, I have a feeling that, that probably 90% of those are self-imposed in some way. And so for me, that's part of the reason why, at least for the last few episodes that we've done of these Tools and Techniques episodes, um, it's all about brain space. Um, and it's all about about creating um, positive environments for myself as well as creating environments in which um, I can center myself um, within the, the the craziness that is what I perceive to be my life at the moment. So, um, you know, there's, there's definitely something to be said for that. Um, and what you think uh, more often than not leads to how you feel. And while there might not be a ton of research on, at least that I've come across, on CBD effects, there is a ton of valid scientific research into the mind-body connection. That is a scientific proven fact. Um, they've proven over and over again that meditation, prayer, uh, mindfulness, all these things have effects on... Now, you mentioned a broken leg. Uh, actually, a positive mindset can affect a broken leg in the sense that you will heal faster. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. They have proven that. These are not hocus-pocus ideas. Um, we're not being uh, wishful thinkers, think wishfully. These are actually proven to be effects. And it, the mind-body connection, I had that back, I had this horrible back pain for like a year and a half to the point where I thought there was something wrong with my spine. I went to a spinal specialist, had x-rays done. And you know what he told me? Have you considered the connection between the mind and the body? Also, have you considered yoga and meditation? This is huh. a doctor whose specialty is the spine. He's like, there's nothing wrong with your spine. Your muscles are all tight, and it's all because of your head. And, you know, I went and I tried yoga, and in two days, that year and a half of back pain was gone. I had muscles that had been tight for almost two years, and all I needed to do was stretch them and to think positively. Because that negativity, to clarify, that negativity keeps those muscles tense. 
So by relaxing your mental state, you can relax your muscular state. Yeah, I remember when you went through that journey, um, and I remember how how intense the struggle was for you too. Like you were you were trying to find answers all over the place um, in order to solve that. Um, how did you, I mean where? How did this that doctor approach it with you? Like, what did he say to you? I'm almost verbatim what I just said. Literally, I went in. He pulled out the X-ray. I'm sitting there. I'm looking at you know the, there's this little fake spine sitting on the table, and he comes in. He shows me the X-ray. He goes. There you go. Uh, see, one other doctor had thought that there was um, some sort of calcification on my bones that might be stabbing into, um, I can't remember all the terms right now, so it doesn't matter. Anyways, he went through, clarified that there was absolutely nothing wrong with my spine, and he said, and that's exactly what he said to me. He's like, have you considered the, that there's a strong connection between the mind and the body? Also, have you tried yoga? Uh, he said, yeah, actually, yoga, meditation, and acupuncture. Basically, he said what's described as facial pain or fascial pain. I'm not sure how to pronounce the word. I've only seen it written. And it basically, it's it's like your bones get, I mean your bones, sorry. Your muscles get so tense and so tight that they almost, it's almost like they calcify. They huh. become like stones or bone. And of course, that hurts. And what happens is that muscle, you know, if you have one muscle that's doing that, the other muscles around that know that there's an injury. That this is also part where the mind comes in, right? So your mind is having a a subconscious, uh, underconscious level um, communication between parts of your body and itself, and it 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 feels that tense muscle. So that's pain. So that it's registering that as injury. Well, what the rest of your body does is compensate for that injury. So if you have a weak muscle or a painful muscle, all the other muscles around it tense up to protect it. Huh. So what starts out as one thing spreads across your whole back. And then, of course, anytime you're messing with your back or your neck, all your nerves are there. You've got tightness. So if those things start pinching down on nerves, you get leg pain, elbow pain, uh, shoulder pain, hand pain, finger pain, electricity across your chest, all kinds of stuff, which when you have anxiety and hypochondria is not the best thing in the world. Sure. Sure, sure. But um, I think that the, there's a lot out there that is like what I described as that 10% with the CBD. Meditation can be that. So if you think about it this way, guys, you find all these little things. Don't look for a miracle cure. If you can find like five things that solidly improve your life by like 10%, you've just improved your life by 50%. That's huge. You don't need a miracle cure that from one thing if you can find a bunch of small things that all work well together. CBD. Meditation, maybe acupuncture, do a little yoga, go for a run, fall in love, make something. That's what we're always telling you guys to do on air. Yeah, it's it's funny you say that because, yeah, it definitely is a, a cumulative effect. Like, I mean, especially the last couple of weeks, um, actually not even the last couple of weeks, but I think the last maybe six months um, making a lot of the changes that I made in my life, they were all pretty small um, by themselves, but they made it so that the last couple of weeks, uh, because of how difficult things have been, I've actually been able to weather the storm pretty well. And I feel like that that little work that I did, the commitments that I made to feeling better, the commitments that I made to, to being better about my eating habits and about my sleeping patterns and all that kind of stuff, um, the cumulative effect, like the overall knock-on effect for, for everything is pretty dramatic. Um, I feel like I should be in a lot worse shape than I am. Um, you know, I've gotten like maybe three or four hours of sleep um, every night for the last five nights and I actually feel okay. Um, 
And I get the sense that if I was that if I hadn't made a lot of those changes, that I wouldn't feel okay. Um, so you're definitely right. You know, two percent here, five percent there, ten percent there, um, and and you know, at the end of the day, you're you're suddenly thirty percent happier. And who who doesn't want to be thirty percent happier? <laughs> Seriously, I mean, thirty percent is huge. That's the, that's the difference between a good day and a bad day. That's the difference between a great day and a crappy day. Thirty <laughs> percent is huge, and I I think that one of the the number one prescription that I'm going to give you guys as my unofficial doctor, um, I'll put on my my fake white lab coat right now. My my number one prescription, guys, is let go of cynicism. That's Ugh. the number one prescription. And what I mean by that is when people suggest things to you, as long as it's not something that's potentially harmful to you, try it. Number one, it's somebody who cares about you that's that's suggesting something for you because they want to help you out. Give it a shot. Don't go into it with cynicism. You know, I don't care what you think about people who do meditation. If you're miserable with anxiety and somebody tells you to try meditation, try it. Because otherwise, all you're doing is prescribing to the misery. You're sure. choosing that misery. And uh, and I've seen it many times. I've, I've So many things I've run across, I'm like, oh, this helped me. I suggest it to someone, and they never try it. I know someone very close to me who's having a similar back pain issue that I had in the same place with the same radiating pain in other parts of their body. And I said, here you go. Here's the exact yoga video that I watched on YouTube for a week and did. And it, and it helped me. They've had it for two weeks. They still haven't tried it. That's somebody who's choosing to have back pain. So let go of that cynicism. It's not just cynicism too, though. It's it's the the out of sight, out of mind thing too. Um, I feel like when people suggest things like that to me, like I'm even guilty of that. You know, you suggested CBD to me um, like more than a month and a half ago, um, and it's not necessarily that that I'm choosing not to do it as much as I've not chosen to do the things that have that would make me comfortable with doing it. For example, because CBD is what it is, like I haven't done the research, um, and therefore I haven't started my regimen of CBD, but that's because I haven't done the research. I haven't made the choice to do that. And I feel like, you know, we, we, we talk about choice all the time. And this is one of those instances where choice would make a big difference for me. You know, if you, if you are miserable, if you are feeling just absolutely terrible, or if there's something in your life that does not fit, fit the mold of what you think your life should be, then if you continue to do it, then it's your fault. It's no longer the thing's fault. You know what I mean? So, um, I agree. I mean, I, I, there are definitely other things that I've done to change, um, my own habits between, um, then and now. Um, and I, I feel like you and I have, have talked about cynicism in different contexts. And I feel like this is definitely one of the contexts where it hurts people the most, um, in the sense that we, we make assumptions about what we think, um, are our comfortable pockets in life. Like, you know, the last couple of episodes, um, especially the tools and techniques episodes, we've gotten a little hippie. Um, and me, me as a person, like I've always been suspicious of, of quote unquote hippie stuff. You know what I mean? Um, and I've always been a person who has, has shied away from, from the, the, the earth mother remedies and solutions and the, the homeopathic stuff that, that people have touted for such a long time. Um, and that's my fault. You know, that's my that's my narrow mindedness, um, assuming that that modern medicine and the science of modern medicine understood everything there was to understand about the human body. Um, but, you know, as you as you learn and you evolve and you grow, you realize how how wrong some of your preconceived notions can be. And I feel like that's where the, the, the death of cynicism can make you a better person, a smarter person and a more creative person. Um, and so the last year of my life, I've actually made a pretty good concerted effort to to 
to not be cynical at all. You know, if anyone suggests anything to me, like, hey, you know, if you rub blueberries in your eyes, then you'll your allergies will hurt less. I'll try it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I'll, I'll give it a shot because at the end of the day, it, the 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 death of cynicism is the opening of the mind and the heart, and I feel like that's 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 both healthy as well as as awe inspiring when when taken to its 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 fullest potential. I think you touched on it briefly there, but it's a very important point: is that we have these pockets of comfortability, and what these are these are preconceived notions, right? We, that we think that we know that the way the world works and where things should fit. And first of all, let me just tell you, you're wrong. <laughs> I'm wrong. Lamb's wrong. We're all wrong. There's no possible way that we know how the world works and where everything fits. And if you can let go of that and you can open yourself up to other things, it, it improves your life drastically. It also improves your creativity. We've said this before, too. You know, like being a creative person and being closed minded, they're not compatible. Yeah. It, you can't. You can't write a character. You can't make a painting if if you already have this preconceived notion because, number one, you're never going to make it because you have this preconceived notion of what it is. And this is what this is really what people call writer's block and creative block. They have a picture of the way that something should be in their mind. And the moment they start and it doesn't fit exactly into that image, they quit. And they say, this isn't going to work. And they end up making nothing. Instead, what you should be doing is being open to the journey. This is what I want to make. This is what I'm imagining in my mind. Let me see what happens when I try that. Where will it take me? And that's the way we should be looking at everything in our lives. And, I mean, for example, I am not a religious person myself. Um, I believe in, uh, I hate to use the word because it has so many connotations. I believe in spiritual things. But I don't prescribe to a particular religion or identity of, of goodness and love. I just stick with them as goodness and love. But somebody bought me a book that is pretty much it's it's a, something with a slight Christian slant to it. Now, if I was closed-minded, I would put that book on the shelf and never look at it. I picked it up the other day. I read like two or three pages. Two or three little things in those two or three pages. And I was like, oh. That's that's really helpful to me. Oh, that means something to me. And I actually ended up uh, having uh, a small revelation about uh, my well-being as a person from this book that I probably would have been closed off to. So keep that in mind, guys. This is, I mean, especially in the polarized um, political environment that we're living in right now. Remember, everybody is just another human being, as we said swimming in the chaos yeah and we forget that i think you know i i, I we we forget <clears throat> and maybe it's the way that society's kind of built itself over the last you know 15 20 years or maybe it's our, our sensibilities heading into the world as we know it now but i feel like it, you know ideas are adversarial and i feel like the the, the more adversarial ideals ideas or ideals become um the less growth culturally um and, and and as a species, we can have because I feel like you you build in not just people into pockets, but you build certain ways of thinking or philosophies into pockets as well. You know, so if you do yoga, you must have um, a ponytail and and wear yoga pants and 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 drink smoothies all day. Well, I mean that's that's 
not true at all for most people I know who do yoga. Um, you know, for example, one of my, my good friends who's ex, who's an ex Navy SEAL is, is, is heavily into yoga and he's definitely not a ponytail guy. So, you know, I feel like, I feel like the, as I get older and as we explore a lot of the things that we explore, I start to realize more and more how people compartmentalize information and assume that, that certain not er- not genres, that's the wrong way to put it, but certain areas of information are, are just closed off to who they are as people because of what they believe. And I feel like that's such a huge mistake. What is the curse of the modern age? And maybe it's it's ages before too, but having not lived through them, I can't speak as an expert. But what I what I see is that we've, instead of having ideas and beliefs and then being people, we've intertwined the two in the sense that suddenly our ideas and our beliefs are our identities. They are who we are. So when someone doesn't agree with something that we believe or presents something that we don't um, include in our own identity, we take it as an attack on who we are. And it's that's not what it is. It's just an idea. And until you can start to see ideas as ideas and people as people, you're going to have issues. You're going to have turmoil. You're going to have problems because we're creating it. It's it's A Christian is a Christian. Right, but that's not who they are. That's 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 their religion. Um, a Muslim is a Muslim. That's that's what they believe. That's not who they are. E- each person is still an individual. But we have to be able to see the the separation of those things. It's not that this person is a mother. It's that this person is that woman, just that woman. And any preconceived ideas of who they are or who we are. Um, when we hold on to those ideas as identities, we hold ourselves back as well. I I don't believe in, in yoga. Well, if I have back pain and I don't believe in yoga, and in my case, if I had continued that, I'd still be in pain. And then that would be my identity. I'd be the painful guy. <laughs> and I was. I'm sure you remember that. Or the, or, yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Or, or the painful guy who chooses to do nothing about it, you know? The and I feel like... Yeah, exactly. And I feel like, uh, you know, despite despite what we're saying, I feel like not only do people see other people that way, but I feel like people have now started to see themselves that way, too. You know, if you're a Republican, you're a Republican. If you're a Democrat, you're a Democrat. Um, you know, if you're a yoga person, you're a yoga person. If you're a dog person, you're a dog person, and, and so on and so forth. And I think that that we've convinced people that they need that sense of identity to feel like they belong um in what our po- what what we consider to be our pocket of society and i feel like that's that's done a lot to to destroy how well we can all relate to each other and i feel like that's that's something that society has created and we've perpetuated um in in the modern age yeah and to clarify guys the reason that this is so rampant is because marketers have created the situation they want you to identify yourself as these ideas because you become easier to categorize and to sell to. Apple people are Apple people, so you're supposed to feel threatened by when somebody buys an Android device or a Windows machine. And everybody's felt that, I, I think, to some degree. Maybe not in the exact case that I used there, but you feel threatened by somebody else's choice. And and that division, it it's the problem. And it's it's really what's making a lot of us miserable. So back to back to health techniques and something I would like you guys to to try out. Um, there's a great company. I I may have mentioned this before, and forgive me if I have. Sometimes it's hard to keep track when I ramble as much as I do. Um, there's a company called Daily Greens. 
and they make these juices that are it's like a small not a huge juice uh and it's it's like it's cold pressed vegetables and fruit and it's like 4.5 pounds of produce in one drink in one small drink i don't know how many ounces it is like 20 ounces it tastes like vegetables by the way it's not going to be sweet like odwalla it's not packed with artificial sugar and all these things um so what i've been doing this is my personal thing. I've been buying those. I've been buying about seven of them a week, and I drink one of those every day. Make sure that I'm getting at least my minimum need of vitamins from vegetables and fruits every single day. Mm. Yeah, I have I have a daily thing too that I I, I want to suggest to everybody. Um, this has been something that I've read in in many different places, and you you and I have even talked about this. But um, I want all of you to try this for for a couple of weeks and see what the effect is. Um, I want you to create a wind down every single night um, that involves you know, and and obviously the pieces can move around, but the 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 two things that that I don't want you to involve at all are a TV or a phone, um, or actually or a laptop for that matter. So nothing that has a screen on it for at least an hour before you sleep, you know, whether that means you read or jump rope or, or draw or, or do whatever it is that you do, um, uh, do something without a screen just for two weeks and see how different you feel. <laughs> it is remarkable how make of a, how big of a difference that makes. I've done that before myself as well. And I can agree with you and test to the fact that it makes a huge difference. It's, it's almost like our brain is, um, it's spinning really fast. Uh, it's going off this way. 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 This is the pace that it's normally thinking at. And then you start to do what you're saying, you know, do something that's quiet, get used to the idea of a quiet room, read something, play with the cat. All of a sudden your thoughts from that spinning, they start to be more like how I'm talking now. And it's more rhythm and it's more paced out and it's more focused and it's calmer. And it's a really good state of mind, number one, to, if you can, to live in that state of mind. <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's it's very hard to do. Yeah, that's asking a lot, Chad. I mean, for, for what I'm suggesting, it's, it's I, I agree with you. I mean, if I could live in that state all the time, I'd be, I'd, it'd be amazing. Um, but at the very least, you know, when it t- comes to turning off your, your TV and your phone and your laptop, I mean, part of the, the reason why that's that's been so effective for me is because it's helped me to reconnect with how I feel about certain things. Um, like, for example, I make it a point to to speak lightly with Crystal. You know what I mean? So we don't talk about anything serious, no life plans, no changes. You know, we, we talk about funny things or we'll, we'll, we'll just sit there and hold hands and stare at the ceiling and listen to music. You know, just something something that slows everything down and puts you in a space where if even if you can't find complete happiness in that space at least be content you know so that you're not ending your day and you're not going to sleep with stress and anxiety built up in you because all you're going to do is carry that into your sleep and carry that into the following day and there's there's absolutely no way of avoiding that if you go to sleep that way once your subconscious takes over it's just going to roll um with whatever it is that you brought into it before before your eyes closed and you slipped into that state one of the bad habits that I have is that uh, I tend to do something on my phone or on my iPad while I'm watching TV or while I'm listening to a record or something like that. And what I what I notice is that I'm, I'm not present in either of the activities that I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
yes, presence we've talked about before, this idea of happiness and all that, but here's another perspective on presence. Uh, you only have so many memories in your life. You know, eventually you're not going to be here anymore. Uh, or even eventually you're going to be 80 uh, or 90, and you're going to be looking back on your life. And all of those things that you are half present in will not exist in your brain. So you're depriving yourself of of memories. You're depriving yourself of 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 being somewhere and experiencing something and being able to remember that at a later point. And that's that's sad. That's a sad thought to think about that we're we're overriding um, these things by you know laying layering things on top of other things, and we're just creating these messy blocks that are just our brain's going to look at it and go, I don't know what to make of that, and just throw it away. Meh. So you're going to, you know, it's like, oh, what do you remember from your 30s? Mm. I remember this. Maybe you'll be able to pull two or three things out. But the more present you are, the more aware of where you are and what you're doing, the more you listen to the album that you're listening to and pay attention to the sounds in it, the more you watch a movie and think about the actor and what they're doing, uh, the, the more memories and the more things that you're you're putting into your brain and that it will enrich you in ways that no app or anything else that we can suggest on here will. And I, I, I have um I have something for that too. Um if if you find yourself having trouble breaking out of you know that, that fast paced thinking about what you need to do for tomorrow, thinking about your task list, thinking about that person you have to deal with at work or those 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 projects you need to get done. Um, at the end of your night, you know, whatever time it is that you, you typically go to sleep, like let's say, let's say it's 12 o'clock. Let's say you go to sleep at midnight every night. Right at around 10.30, start thinking about, you know, stopping your day at basically at 11. And then this works great for me and I think it would work great for, for everybody. Um, do something that is so strange that you have no choice but to be in the present with it. Um, for example, um, two of the things that I do, number one is dancing um, because I, I, I don't really dance all that much. So it's a really foreign thing to me. So in order to do it, I have to be present. Um, and number two, this is going to sound weirdly childish, but it's hilariously effective. Try to find some something in your house, like whether it's the edge of a stair or the edge of your couch or the edge of your bed or whatever it is, and balance yourself on it for 30 seconds. Um the reason why that's really effective is because, you know, in, in the, the process of like balance yourself on one foot and try to hold that as long as you can, you'd be amazed at how quickly that snaps you out of everything. Um, and I forget how, uh, I forget who it was that suggested that to me, but I thought it was such a brilliant idea at the time. And, and, uh, you know, absolutely, of course, the moment I tried it, it was incredibly effective. And from that point on, I've been doing one of those two things or even both in some, in some cases, um, for, for, you know, every time I feel like I need to disconnect from my work world, like people have even caught me doing it at work and asked me, you know, Lamb, what are you doing? <laughs> um, but it's, it's, it's been incredibly effective for me. And, you know, one of those two things may not work for, for you guys out there, but I definitely suggest trying to find something like that, something that's so off the wall and so weird, something almost childish in nature um, that puts you into a state that has nothing to do with anything that you're doing. And I would say also that, what you said about uh, worrying about what I have to do tomorrow and all these things that aren't getting done that I need to get. There, there's a reason that, that you're stressing out about those things and you're getting anxiety from those things is because you're carrying all those things in your head 
and your brain is spinning them in this cycle so that you won't forget them. So it's running this subconscious um this subconscious path in in the back of your head. Remember that, remember that, remember that, remember that, remember that, remember that, remember that. And that's what's going on for all these little things in your head. So uh David Allen of uh Getting Things Done fame suggests doing what's called a mind sweep once a week. Just basically just looking at all the areas of your life, um, looking at your environment, looking at uh, your calendar, and just writing down anything that's a task. Just anything. Oh, looking over you, I see the cat. Oh, that reminds me. Almost had a dry food. Write down. Boom. Dry food. Make this list. And what you're doing is you're dumping all that onto something. Now, when you get those into something, you know, whatever you use for tasks, maybe you use paper, good for you. Whatever you use, if you use paper, you're a hero. I am not that good. I need things with bells and whistles. Once you get those things down on the paper, that little pathway can stop running because it knows it's been saved. It knows it's held somewhere. So it can relax. And another thing that I do at the end of the night is I I have like a, before I do my wind down, I have a certain, I do what's called a nightly inventory. I'm not going to really get into that right now. Um, if you guys are interested in that, you can tell tell us and I'll do it in another episode. But one of the questions I ask myself every night is, what do I need to know for tomorrow? That's it. What's going on tomorrow? What do I need to know? And I can let that sit and go, okay, I need to know that. I know I know that I have a uh, a meeting with this person and I need to bring this book with me, this notebook with me. I'll grab that notebook and I'll put it somewhere in a prominent place that I can see it. Cool. I know that's covered. And just those two little things that make a huge difference on that head spinning stuff. How long did you have to kind of train yourself psychologically to trust that? Because I feel like I still have issues with that too. Like I tried to do the same thing because I, I was, I, I, I kind of subscribed to a lot of the GTD stuff as well. Um, but that was something I had difficulty with was trusting it. Like I still found my brain spinning on it. Like what'd you have to do to do that? Which which of the things that I mentioned are you asking me about the trust on? Well, the biggest one is, for example, once you've once you put it down um, on paper or in one of your apps, like you 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 leave it there, like you don't take it with you anymore. Um, I have difficulty doing that still. I can't really say, but I would say that that means you don't trust the thing that you're using. So you need uh-huh. to find something that you you do trust. Um, for example, I I've talked on this show many times about to do apps and. I haven't found one that makes me happy. I kind of liked Wonderlist, but Wonderlist is going away. Um, I've started using Things. They just made version 3. And uh, I really like it, and I trust it. So that that has a lot to do with it. That's why the mind sweep that I mentioned earlier is really important. Um, because part of the mind sweep is also not just looking at stuff that you're missing, but looking at stuff that you've already put in somewhere. So uh, this mind sweep, this is like, this is not a quick thing. This is like an hour long process that I do once a week, but it saves me hours and hours and hours of time and stress. And one of the things I do is I pull out my app and I look at everything that's in there. So I refresh all of that in my mind, but then also looking at uh, your calendar and all of these other things in your environment, if something slipped through, that's your fail safe. So between those two, I feel pretty darn secure. And if something slips between two of those, then it just wasn't meant to be. And I just have to let that go. (laughs) (laughs) And it happens. And, you know, life is not perfect. You know, you're going to forget somebody's birthday. It sucks. 
So what you do is you pick it up and apologize to them and suck it up. I don't know. You just you can't can't prevent it all. I wish there was. You just need to find something you trust, man. Mm. You're not trusting the app you're using or whatever you're using. Yeah, and I I feel like it's it it kind of goes to the the something that you and I talked about quite a bit too, um, which is I feel like I have too many choices. Um, and and don't get me wrong, I like the idea, especially when it comes to productivity apps. I like the idea that I have choices. Um, I just feel like I've I've kind of locked myself into too many different options, and I should just pick one and stick with it for long enough to really get a sense of how it may improve my, you know, my brain space when it comes to these things. Because it's definitely a trust issue for me, and I know that. You know, absolutely. I think that that's a big problem. Is um, we don't we don't invest in things long enough to reap the benefits of them. The truth is, it does any task app out there, guys, is going to work for you. It's you that makes the app work, not the app. The app's just a repository. How you use it, what you put into it, um, the systems you build, the checks and balances you create, that's the strength. That's it. I mean, so you got to find one that works the way your brain works, that you're comfortable with, but the bells and whistles don't mean a damn thing. Um, I don't think that, you know, like location-based reminders, there's not a lot of people out there that that's enriching the lives of. And the few people it is, they're probably really happy with their app. But the bullet journal people are, are people that I think are heroes. They pick the simplest thing possible and they're rocking it. Well, I think that that's, um, you know, it, it it goes to show the distinction in certain things. Like we talk about feature sets when it comes to apps and, and, and websites and stuff like that all the time. But I think... You know, we, we've we've gotten to the point now with technology where it's so easy to fall into the trap of things you want versus things that you need. Um, and I feel like like the, the inventory that, that, that we all have to take when it comes to our brains and our processes has to really account for that. You know, what is it that I really need? Like, do I really need that? Or is it just something that I really want because I have the option to want it? Um, you know, like what, what if, for example, like I, 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 you know what, I am actually going to try this experiment. I'm just going to run all of my stuff, all of my to-do stuff, all of my work stuff, all my creative stuff out of a stupid notebook for two weeks and see what happens. I, I just, I just want to see it. I, I'm, I, and you know what, I'm going to do that between now and the next time we do a tips and techniques episode, just to, to commit myself fully to that and see how effective it is. Because I literally have probably 16 different um, tasks and productivity apps on my phone right now that I'm trying to use all at once. And I feel like having that, that, that madness, that, that hurricane of, of <laughs> productivity options has made me more stressed and less productive. So I am going to pull out the old moleskin and I'm just going to run all of my tasks out of a stupid notebook for one full month and see what happens. I'm committing to that right now. You know, I think it's it's comp- not only the fact that other people do it, but I think it's completely feasible because you know what I've learned speaking of things, uh, what you need and what you don't need. You know what I've learned in the last like six months that I don't need? I don't need time reminders for my tasks. Mm. You know, like tell me to do this at 10 p.m. I don't need that. Sure. Literally, I look at my tasks at the beginning of the day and then I dip back into the app when I finish something. I don't need it to tell me what time to do it. Um, So that's not really that different than running it on paper. I mean, the the only two things really, when we really get down to it, the only two features that doing an app as opposed to paper that you're going to get is you're going to get reminders mm-hmm. and you're going to get cloud backup. Sure. That's it. You know, you lose your notebook. Shit, you, oops. 
<laughs> that word just slipped right out of me. Well, I mean, to, even even though you you say that you lose them, I mean, I I feel like it's plausible just to take a picture of your the page every day. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and and I feel like I feel like I'm totally going to do this and it's going to work and I'm going to be annoyed at myself for the last four years worth of trying to use productivity apps. <laughs> I hope it does work because number one, I love paper. Um, number two, I just I love the simplicity of it. Yeah, sure, sure. And and I I you know it, it, it because I used to do that. Heck, I do that for geez, 20 years of my life. Um, at least, know, right? Yeah, where I had a little notebook and I wrote tasks down at the beginning of the day and I would cross stuff out, especially when I started the GTD stuff. I actually found that having a tactile notebook was much more effective than using any app to do it. And you know, I'll tell you guys something. If if you're not familiar with the website Lifehacker, I'll put a link to... Um, I, I think I can pull a link to... This is, a, this is like a running series that they have and it's called This Is How I Work. And they will find uh, successful business people it tends to be like CEOs of uh, smaller companies like apps, app producers and stuff like that, or designers. And they just ask them a series of questions on how they work. What apps do you use? What devices do you use? And so forth. And there's one question in there that I'm always fascinated by that they ask these people. And this is what to do system do you, do you use? And I would say that. All of these very successful people, surprisingly, and most of them in the tech world, like 80%, maybe more, all say post-its or paper. Huh. Isn't that shocking? That is shocking. It's it's almost to the point where it's a funny question because it's a technology website, essentially. And yet the answer is low tech almost every time. That's crazy. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll try to find if I can't find a link to a, a way for you guys to see um, many of those episodes in one page. I'll put a link to one, and then you can just kind of use that as a jumping point to find more of them. I also think um, if you can uh, post a uh, link to that one to the notebook that you had, not the notebook, the little the the, the daily journal you walked around with. Um, I still found that thing to be remarkable. Which one? <laughs> <laughs> the one, the one that 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 you had like a pen slot. You had like the one that had that that there was basically Batman's utility belt, but in journal form. Oh, the the wallet with the journal yeah. inside of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. The dialed wallet. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'll put that in there too. I'm typing yeah. it right now. I really, I really like that thing. Like, I'm, I'm I think I'm gonna get one. You can have mine. Really? You're not using it? Mm -mm. I have my. I have. I literally just have my cards and the three main cards and the one house key that i have on a necklace and that's all i'm carrying wow i just you know my my constant war is things in my pocket so sure. i don't even i don't that's all i carry now is my phone and and the necklace that is amazing that's well done like have, did you punch holes in your credit cards how'd you do that no there's uh it was actually a minimalist wallet that i bought before that had like a little thing on the end so i just put it on a necklace huh cool yeah it's been it's been about four months of that and i'm i like it um i haven't jogged or anything with it yet so maybe that'll be a little weird <laughs> yeah i'm sure you'll find a way to make it work though why the decision to go away from paper i'm curious i think it's just when i got the ipad i started doing sketching on the ipad and then when once i stopped doing sketching I just found that I needed the paper less. Sure. Uh, 
because half of what I was doing in those in those as you saw was sketching. So with half of that gone, I just decided, you know what? I'll just keep tracking stuff in my phone then. And and a lot of the stuff that I used to do, I don't necessarily do. This makes me sound really anal. Um, I used to log everything that I watched or listened to or read so that I would have a record of it. I don't do that anymore. I only log when I have something to say about it. So that cut my writing down to about 30% in the notebook too. And I found that uh, I was carrying this paper notebook and I wasn't writing in it most days. So it became an extraneous thing that I once again retired. Hmm. That's funny. Do you feel like you miss it at all? Like, I mean, there are moments where you want to pull the notebook out because I, I'm, I, the reason I'm asking all of these questions specifically about this stuff is because I, I, by the end of this episode, I want to issue a challenge to everyone listening to this episode. I don't. I thought I would. I don't miss it. But I think it's just because I've been focusing on just being somewhere. Like, for example, I, uh, our friend Sarah was in town for a few days. Her and I went and got coffee and went for a walk. And I got home and I realized I hadn't even taken a photo. Like, I was just, I was hanging out and just being a human. And I didn't uh, pull anything out of my pocket other than, you know, my wallet to pay for my lunch. Or that wasn't even in my pocket around my neck. So I, I don't miss it just because of that, because I'm not focused like that anymore now when i take drawing time or sketching time i'm i'm taking time for that too it's just a a slight change in thought but uh because of that it doesn't i don't think about it so what's your challenge um i i I would love for you to add to this challenge too um but here's what i'd like to do for for everyone i assume most of the people who listen to this particular format um, of episode um, are curious about tools and, and, and techniques. So here's what I, we're going to go totally low tech guys. Um, you know, we, we didn't talk a ton about different apps that you could use for, for productivity this week, you know, and I'm not, I'm not disparaging on any of those, by the way. Um, I'm not saying that any of those things can't be very, very effective for you if you give them enough time, um, and effort to really figure out how they can benefit you. But here's what I'd like to do. I, I'd like to hit the reset button for all of us, cause I'm going to do this. So I want some of you to do this as well. Um, the ch- the first challenge is every single night, um, an hour before you sleep, actually an hour and a half before you sleep, I want you to start thinking about it. And an hour before you sleep, I want you to try to find a way to be present, whether that's um, hitting a t-ball around the house or whether it's 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 walking a, a pretend tightrope in the middle of your living room or or dancing to a silly song from the 80s, whatever it takes for you to be present in the moment. And then just spend that last hour of your night um, either being present and, and, and caring with someone that you love or with an animal like a dog or a cat or doing something you really, really enjoy. And I want you to try it every single day until the next episode or until the next Tools and Techniques episode because I'm going to do the same thing. And the second thing is um, all of these all of these apps... Um, Take them all, um, take all the ones that you use in your phone, and you don't have to delete them all because that's, you know, that may be a pain for some of you, but take them all and shove them in one folder and then don't touch that folder for a month and just pull out a notebook and a pen and every single day figure out a, a, a system that works for you that makes it so that you will comfortably complete your tasks without stress. 
and then do it every single day until the next tools and techniques episode. Those are my two challenges. That should be an interesting. I, I'm hoping that uh, you guys, if you if you guys are going to take one or both of those challenges, that you will be telling us how it works out for you. Lamb's going to be sharing with us. This is a month. If you don't go a whole month and you only do it for a week, you only do it for a few days, we still want to hear about it. We yeah. want to hear why, why you couldn't go further. That's an important question. We're, all, we're almost going to take a complete opposite turn because what I have on the list for the rest of the episode is about apps. <laughs> <laughs> of course it is. Of course it is. <laughs> you know, actually, I wanted to make an, an interesting point that I noticed the other day. You know, I talk about apps a lot. Maybe I think I talk about apps even more than you do on oh, here. Definitely, yeah, sure. Um, and I think that I was listening to, I don't remember what podcast he was on, but um, it was a Merlin man. He's on like five pod. He has like five podcasts, and he's a guest on everybody else's podcast. So I don't remember which specific one he said this on, but he said he had like five hundred apps on his phone. Oh, good God. To the point where, like, he had stuff he didn't even know if some of them worked because he just hadn't gone through the process of, like, you know, trimming the hedges, essentially. Yeah, I hate to say that, though, but I, I used to be that guy, Chad. Like, I mean, if you look at the the history, because I, I was a very early adopter with the iPhone, um, and I was fascinated by the idea of a universal OS and, an, a, you know, a, a an API and a, 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 a system that allowed for multiple companies to generate apps uh, within the same device. So at, at last check, I think in twenty the end of 2015, I had downloaded on my various iterations of the iPhone over 1,700 apps. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it, it was that intense. And and so I, I get, I, I mean, don't get me wrong, there was no more than two or 300 on my phone at any given time, but even that's already too many. Let's do something right now. And you uh listeners, I would I would invite you guys to do this with us right now. This is going to be iPhone centric um just because I know how to do it on the iPhone, but if you have an Android and you know how to do this, please join along. Lamb, take out your phone. Mhm. Go into go into settings and go into general and then go into about. How many apps do you have on your phone? Settings, general, about. Hold on one second here. It goes network, songs, videos, photos, and then applications. 133. Wow. So I talk about apps all the time. You want to just take a guess at how many apps I have on my phone? 50. 21. What the heck? I only have 21 apps on my phone. Jeez, you have ruthless discipline. So literally, okay, this is the reason I... It's not to make myself sound awesome or whatever. If you have, you know... 80 apps on your phone, guys, and you're using them in a consistent basis, that's that's your business. It's not mine. <laughs> I use nine, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I know a lot about apps because I download them and I play with them. And then I play with them and then I delete them. Obviously, I don't do it a lot with the paid ones. But for the most part, I, I just, I'm curious about them and I, I play around with them. But what I do is all the time, I'm looking, I have one page of apps on my phone and I have one folder. So the stuff I use on a consistent basis is on my home screen. And then the stuff that, you know, like you got uh, this activity app and, you know, stuff that you need on your phone, but you don't actually ever open because it works in the background and stuff like that. I've got all that in a folder, you mm -hmm. know, like Dropbox and iCloud Drive. Those yeah. are in a folder. I'm not opening those very often. 
And I just, what I do is I just look at it and I look at apps and I go, how often do I use that? How often do I use that? And when something becomes a little less useful, I delete it. And then if I get to a point later where I find I need it, guys, you can re-download stuff. You know, like Lyft. Um, I don't say the U company name anymore because they're such a bad company. But Lyft, the ride, the ride app, you know, to get rides, cars come pick you up. I don't use it very often, but I do use it. So when I know that I'm going to need a Lyft, I download the Lyft app. <laughs> I have a car come and I go. And then when I come back, I use the Lyft. I come home and then I delete the phone off. I mean, the app off my phone. I don't need it on my phone every day. I'm not using it every day. Sure. Um, actually, maybe we'll do um, we'll do a side by side home screenshot again for the Instagram. We'll huh. do a. <laughs> well, and this time we'll just combine them into one image. Um, yours on mine. Mine's kind of interesting in the sense that I only have one app in my dock. Huh. I I realized that uh, I just want one app focused there, and uh, that app is Ulysses, Ulysses the writing app. Sure. That's in my dock. Oh, by the way, random random aside on that, I rediscovered Scrivener again, and I I'm I'm quickly refalling in love with that program. Go ahead. Mm, actually, that brings up a a very good point. Um, because number one, I was going to talk about writing apps today. That those are the apps I was going to talk about. I was on Twitter the other day, and somebody asked the question: uh, "Is what's better, Ulysses or Scrivener?" And uh, I do have an answer to that. And the answer to that is it depends on what you're writing. If you're going to write a book, Scrivener. It's just Scrivener has all the features that you would want for a book, um, organizing a book, organizing your research and all that stuff. You could do that in Ulysses too. I just find that Scrivener for a book works better. That's what I use to write books. Everything else I write in Ulysses. Because Scrivener is like, it's like pulling out, you know, the power drill to put in one screw. Mm. Just use the screwdriver. And maybe not even to put in a screw, to tighten the screw. Eh, just use the screwdriver. You know, like, use the right tool. So tell me, before I... I don't want to go on this big tirade about writing apps without um, some of your input. So why don't you tell me and the listeners a little bit what you're loving about Scrivener? And maybe what Scrivener is. Um, Scrivener, originally, I mean, the intention of Scrivener is, is a script writing app, but I've started to use it in ways that I want Evernote to work. <laughs> so, so I know it sounds weird, but I'm, I'm totally not using it, um, the way it's intended. Um, I, were you the person that introduced me to Scrivener? It's possible. <laughs> yeah, because I, I, the first place I, I started using it was obviously, um, on my computer because that's where it was. It was it was huge, um, and then I started to try to find. It, I I really got into it when I started using it for um, or looking for ways to work um, not on my laptop anymore, and I was using my um, iPad and the Scrivener. The, the Scrivener interface on the iPad isn't perfect, um, but it's still better than um, most of the other options for the sake of writing. Um, but I find that I. Uh, forget, I don't know how to define it. I, I guess I, I guess I, I was frustrated that I had paid for it, so I wanted to try to use it more. And so I started trying to adapt it to to, <laughs> to do things that that I had never intended. Um, and so I think um, you know, moving forward, I, obviously over the next month, I, I have to 
cut that out because it's not part of the experiment. Uh, but yeah, I actually thought it was pretty cool um, and it worked pretty well. Yeah, there's uh, so originally Scrivener started out on the Mac. Um, the iOS version is, I think it's only a maybe a little over a year old. Yeah, and it was like five, maybe six years in the making. It was like this white whale for those of us who use Scrivener on the Mac. Um, this promise had always been out there. And uh, I think he did an amazing job. So the, the guy who created it, the company's called Literature and Latte. He created the Mac app, but he was trying to hire somebody to write the iOS app um, because he didn't know how to code iOS. And he just he kept hitting roadblocks and bumps. And then finally he said, the heck with it. I'm just going to learn how to code iOS and do it myself. And he did an amazing job to the point where I actually prefer the iOS version. I almost never use the Mac version anymore. Almost also because I'm rarely at my Mac. Sure. There are hundreds, hundreds of features. I'm not going to give you a lowdown on all the features. This is just one that I find very useful when writing. The, the idea to be able to put down a document, um, we'll say it's a scene, a scene in a book, and then make notes on that scene. But the notes are in a separate place. So, you know, you're not just adding notes underneath what you've written. So you can click on the information of that document and see notes. So, for example, I'm writing maybe a scene about a man meeting a woman for the first time. And I know that I want him to trip and I want her to talk about Star Trek. Well, I haven't written that into the scene yet. So I can go over to notes, be like, remember to have him trip and she loves star trek also he's wearing this color shirt she is wearing these color pants so i can make all of these notes that i need when i write this scene so for the way that this is very useful is when you have general ideas about a scene but you haven't written it so you can fill that out for the thing and then have a document sitting there it's empty because you haven't written the scene yet but then when you sit down to write scenes boom there's your notes oh okay now i remember and this is really useful when writing a book like a novel because you're writing a book for like a novel for a long period of time. You're having ideas that are popping up. You're going, oh, this would be good. This would be good. But they're not always chronological and they're not always the scene that you're working on or that your current place in writing. I have tons of ideas for later points in my book that I haven't even written yet. Because those are all in notes. So that's really useful. And it, it for anyone who's used uh, Adobe Acrobat um, and or had PDFs um, that, that have had notes, um, it's basically a much better version of that. I mean, don't get me wrong, the, the, the PDF version wasn't bad, but was definitely very, very limited in how it worked. Um, the Scrivener version definitely gives you a lot more power to separate them into different kinds of notes, and that's what I thought was really, really cool about it. So if you wanted to look at a certain type of note, you could do that very easily. So here's here's an interesting thing. You know Lamb as well as most of the listeners at this point, that I've always had trouble finding a notes app, and this all goes back into book writing, so bear with me here. Always had trouble finding a note app that worked for me the way that I wanted it. The two main problems I had, that every solution that I went to just didn't seem to solve was, number one, some would have spotty search. Some would have great search. You know, the search is really important. And, and I need note search, like into the note depth. And uh, the other problem that I always had was keeping things organized in the sense that I don't want to just open this 
if I'm taking notes from a book that I'm reading, I don't want to open this thing up and just see a mass of text and have no idea, you know, what the structure of these notes are. For example, a, a big problem is when you take a quote from a book that's multiple paragraphs. So we'll say it's a three paragraph quote. Well, so you have a paragraph, a line break, another paragraph, a line break, and another paragraph, right? Well, how do you know when you go back into your notes that that's all one quote and all three of those paragraphs go together when underneath that there's a line break and another paragraph? And that one paragraph is a separate quote from a different part of the book. So being able to tell what quotes go together. So I always had problems with that. That was my biggest obstacle that almost no app could solve. Sure. I found finally a solution. I won't oh, say what? it is the... <laughs> and you found the holy grail, dude. And it's, it's in the strangest place. It's in a type of app. It's not even a note-taking app, first of all. It's in a type of app that I had always dismissed as something that I did not need. And that's a mind mapping app. Huh. I have never used mind maps. Um, I always, I never saw the point because I, I drew. I took out a pen and do it on paper. What do I need an app to make squares and, and circles for? I can draw squares and circles. Well, there's an app called iThoughts. That's it's like the apparently the Cadillac of mind mapping apps. It has amazing search. So if I it, okay, first of all, this solves my problem of notes not being organized and quotes uh, running into other quotes because everything I put in can be in its own little square. So you put the I've got a circle in the middle with the name of the book, and then boom, lines shooting off to every single quote. And then if I need to make a note on that quote. I just take a box off of that. And then the mind map, it totally works for somebody like me who reads books over and over again, because now I can make notes on notes and it just spirals out from that center point. Sure. But what's really great about this app is in the search, it doesn't just pull like, you know, if I'm looking for the 10% happier book, right. And I'm looking for the part where he talks about uh, Iraq when he was in Iraq. Uh, it's not just going to go, here you go. Here's the document. Good luck finding what you want inside the document. It tells me, it's, first of all, it shows me, I search, it shows me the, the line that, uh, that, that, that word is used in. And then I click on that and it goes zoop and it zooms right to that box with that exact quote in it. Hmm. Lamb jumping at any point, if I'm, going off and you want to you want to add in here just to interrupt no, man, i like it i've actually been kind of looking into mind mapping so this is pretty fascinating to me so because i loved it so much um that it's working really well for this note-taking purpose i started thinking about using it to write um, which is what most people what a lot of people use it for is writing um, articles and so forth so i started thinking how can i use this to write books. How can this fit into my system? I don't want to replace Scrivener. Hmm. And I started thinking about it and I realized that it does something that I had trouble with in Scrivener. And Scrivener has so many features. It's, it's shocking for me to be able to pull out something that it can't do, but it, there are some things that it can't do. 
And uh, one of those things is, for example, I'm a fairly visual person. So uh, let's see how I can do this without um, just spilling the beans about my own actual novel. Uh, So say I'm writing a story about a character who is fascinated with Jamaican culture. (laughs) Now I have to do research on Jamaican culture and I have to find a way to work that in. You know, obviously I'm not going to just have him have one scene where he dumps all of his information that he knows about Jamaican culture because that's bad writing. Um, What you want to do is you want to take all these little interesting facts that you find. You want to just work it in naturally into little places in his dialogue, um, in things that he owns, um, stuff like that, right? Sure. Well, you're tracing... So you have a timeline of your novel of your scenes what's going on but then you have this separate timeline almost of things that you want to incorporate um in this specific case you have a timeline of jamaican knowledge well what's hard to do in scrivener is without going and doing what i said earlier and adding those um notes which you can still do go through and add those to the notes of certain documents like work this fact into the scene work this fact into the scene but what you can't do is get a visual representation of that so you're not seeing how those things interplay and you're not being able to see those in a visual way and be able to see for example um if i'm going to have him mention something historical about jamaica um, maybe the the year that it was founded or something like that and then he's going to, at another point, make a reference that builds off of that knowledge. I need to make sure that chronologically, he re- reveals those facts in an order that the reader is going to understand. So I have to, the, the first fact must be told first in the story, and the second fact must be se- told second. So you need to be able to see those chronologically, visually, to make sure that uh, your interplay, you know, is is working out. That you're not confusing your readers and doing things out of order. So what the mind map allows me to do is put a mind map of the story timeline and then go, okay, this particular one is focused on Jamaican knowledge and create a separate mind map sitting next to it in the same canvas of the Jamaican knowledge. And then I'm able to draw arrows from the knowledge to the scene, the knowledge to the scene. And now I have a visual representation of where those things are showing up in the story and the order that they're showing up in. And then when I need a, when I later need to work in, um, say, he's also a archaeology buff. Well, when I need to work that in, I can take that same map and duplicate it. So I duplicate that map of the two things side by side, go in and delete the Jamaican knowledge one, and create one about archaeology facts. Huh. And now do the same thing that I just did. And what's really cool about iThoughts is, um, so you've, this is actually very difficult, guys, because a lot of the stuff is visual. I hope I'm not losing you. And Lamb, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use you as a barometer. If if I'm being confusing, please tell me. No, I, I'm still following. I understand where you're going with this. Okay. So you're, you're creating a box or a circle in your mind map, and you have maybe a sentence in there, maybe just a few words. Um, in this case, we'll say CBD update. Right, I have a note of CBD update, and I want that short just so I can move these boxes around. You don't want these huge blocks of text that you're going to be moving around in boxes because that's just going to become a mess. 
But with iThoughts, what's really cool is you can add a note to items. So I have an, an item, we'll say it's a circle, blue circle that says CBD update on it. And I can push a button and add a note, and I can put seven paragraphs or more in this note. And then, bloop, it shrinks back up. And now my circle, blue circle with the word CBD is sitting there, and it's got just a little icon of a page so that I know there's a note attached to that. I, I don't know if this is um, true with iThoughts as well. I assume it is. Um, but most other the, the, the mind mapping apps I've seen, you can also include images and songs and links and stuff like that too, right? Yep. Okay. Absolutely. Sounds right. So what I realized is, oh, not only can I use it for that, but this mind mapping thing is the perfect place to write the rough draft, the first draft of a novel. Because you're going to be able to play with the structure because of the mind map. And then, you know, if you need to write bits of text, you can put that into the notes. So you can sit here and structure your novel, move everything around until you get to the end of the first draft. And now you have your draft and it's in this visual representation. So you can see everything. But here's the beautiful thing about iThoughts. When I'm done with that, I go over and I can export it. Export as OPML file. It exports out as an OPML file. I go over to Scrivener. I say, import OPML file. Boom. It drops my whole mind map in as text into Scrivener with everything separated and nested exactly as it is in the mind map. Wow. That's got to be impressive when you open that for the first time and it balloons out like that. It's unbelievable. So and then that's what and then that's when I would start working with Scrivener and using all the fe- the best features of Scrivener to do all the things it does for writing a novel. So all my editing, all that I can take snapshots. This thing that um the Mac app has. So that's 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 currently what I'm doing with that. And it, I mean, it's just it's it's changed the way that I work. And in I've been having problems finding visual representations. A lot of people use giant. Uh, what do they call them cork boards with uh, index cards to do what I'm doing with mind maps. And now I can do all that right on my little iPad at the coffee shop. And it's amazing. Yeah. I suppose that the cork board is kind of the same idea, right? Um, yep. I mean, it, without revealing too much about your novel, is there any version of that exploded out mind map that you can share with us? So I can throw it on the Instagram so people can see what that actually physically looks like. No, but I can make a fake one. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, I'd love to see what that actually looks like when it's fully exploded. Uh, let me put that right here in the notes. Fake mind map. Never thought I'd be typing those words. <laughs> that sounds like an Asimov book that hasn't been written yet. <laughs> or a really bad nerd band. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So what is what is it, the, 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 the takeaway on this one then? I mean, obviously, there are the, the, the challenges, which I, I will also be posting those on the Instagram as well. Um, with hashtags to follow. So anybody who, who is doing these challenges, um, please post your updates, um, you know, weekly or whatever it is. So, um, I, I will take the ones that I like the best or the results that are interesting and, and repost them on our Instagram as well. Um, so please do that. Um, I'll throw out the hashtags, you know, um, I still have to figure out what the hashtag is going to be. Um, so how about lamb's challenge? Sure. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> Uh, actually, let, let me think about that one. Let me think about that one. I want to do something that's that's more appropriate for what the challenge is. Um, I have an addition additional challenge. Okay. And this one's very simple. And it, it this does not contradict yours, even though it may seem at first. 
if you are going to use apps, like for example, I need apps to write this novel. I know I can't do it on paper. If you're going to use apps, number one, do what Lamb said. Give it time to actually see what effect it will have in your life. But more importantly, learn how to actually use it to its full potential. <laughs> you would think that that would be fairly intuitive, but most people I know who use these apps have no idea how to use them. <laughs> I don't even do it with every app I own. And it's embarrassing for me to talk about apps and not know how to use them fully. But uh, you, what you may find, for example, if I hadn't really dug into the features of iThoughts, I might not have found this whole new way of writing that suits me better. Sure. So if you are if you have apps that you, and there are apps that you guys have to use. A lot of you have to use them for jobs and things like that. There are, that You're going to have to use those things. Those are the things that are not going to go in your folder. The things that don't go in your folder, learn how to use them better. And see how that works for you, too. I I have hashtags for you, then, um, on the other one. One is the low-tech challenge. That's the one for the journals. And the other challenge, which is the an hour before you sleep thing, is going to be... Uh, I, I don't want to use the hashtag happy hour because I assume that's going to be all over the place. <laughs> so, so I'm going to go happy 60. So happy 60 and low-tech are the two... or And low-tech challenge are the two challenges. So low-tech challenge, no the... Yeah, yeah. so just low-tech challenge and happy 60 challenge. All right, guys, you heard it here. I'm I'm hoping to hear a lot from you guys about this. Um, We haven't bugged you guys a lot about being quiet, so I'm going to bug you guys about being quiet. We <laughs> want to hear from more of you. Um, uh, we have uh, heard from a few of you, especially on Instagram, and I love that. I love hearing from you guys every time, even if it's just, hey, that was great. I enjoyed that. Or, hey, I disagree with you. I don't care. I just want to make sure you guys are out there. You're more than welcome to disagree with us at any point, and we welcome it. This is not a fascist podcast. <laughs> uh, Lamb, words of wisdom. Um, I put you on the spot. I love doing it. I And I always am ready for it now um, because you always do it to me. Um, so lately I've been making a very, very big point of slowing down to speed up. Um, and you know, we've talked about this quite a few times on other episodes, um, and throughout the course of our lives, but that I'm, I'm trying to live as true to that as I can, which is if you want to be more productive, slow down. 